Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. Today is called Holy Saturday, the day before Easter, sometimes referred to as the Easter Vigil. The day after Jesus died, his followers felt lost. So today's service will help us ask the question, what do we do when we feel lost and don't know where God is in our lives? Before we hear today's message from Pastor Chris, let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 23 and hear today's reading. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God is dead. Eons before Nietzsche declared it to be so, God died. But Nietzsche got it wrong when he claimed we killed God. For yesterday, on the Friday we call good, Jesus offered his life for ours. We did not execute him as much as Jesus lovingly gave up his life for us. Willingly, he took the blame for a crime he didn't commit and embraced a death he didn't deserve. Hanging up there on the cross, Jesus bore the total weight of the world's sin, all the ugliness, the hatred, and cancer that results from our narcissistic indifference and willful rebellion. Jesus bore it all until it killed him. The Son of God, the one through whom all things were made and without whom nothing was made, surrendered to death. His breathing ceased. His heart stopped beating. His side was pierced by the centurion's spear, and blood and water poured out. Jesus, the Word made flesh, became a corpse. His lifeless body, caked with blood, sweat, and tears, was taken down, cradled in his mother's arms, and then hastily wrapped up and placed in the tomb. On Good Friday, we still had the crucified man to look at, but today is Holy Saturday, the day God was buried. It's all over. Holy Saturday is empty. The heavy stone of a new tomb is covering a dead man. It's all over, and that brings us here, before an even greater and weightier obstacle of a world without God. Holy Saturday is the hollow space between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. I mean, Good Friday is Christ dying, Easter is Christ risen, but Holy Saturday is just Christ dead and buried. Sitting here awkwardly between the unbearable pain and suffering of the cross and the exuberant joy and celebration of the resurrection today can feel like nothing more than a placeholder. Because of this, we might be tempted we might be tempted to regard today, to regard Holy Saturday as not very important. After more than 2,000 years of telling and remembering this story, there's not much suspense between Friday and Sunday anymore. 
We all know how the story ends, and so we view the middle as boring and unimportant. The day after the death of a dream, as the spectacle of the crucifixion is over, as the tattered and torn body comes back down to earth, after a corpse is treated more gently, more respectfully than the soul of the person who once inhabited the flesh, when it is all said and done, the vast majority of us go on with business as usual in our lives on Holy Saturday. Truth be told, most of us will just skip directly to the end of the story because that's the happily ever after. That's the part we like the most. But we should remember, there was none of this overfamiliarity, no such overconfidence for Jesus' first followers. For these men and women, Saturday dawned eerily quiet and still. On that first Holy Saturday, it appeared that evil had triumphed. The disciples were huddled together in grief, not resting, but lamenting on the Sabbath. It's not hard to imagine the disciples were descending in that moment into their own private kind of hell. All the hopes they had for the Messiah to come and liberate them had failed. Jesus is gone. What they witnessed in the darkness of that Friday night was terrible, but the morning after Saturday probably seemed even worse. Jesus has left them alone to face their future. Their collective mourning for their fallen friend, their master, was certainly laced with fear, fear for their own lives. What do you live for? What do you live for when the one you believed was the way, the truth, and the life is dead? What kind of future is there? What kind of future is there for any of us when the one who is the light and life of all humanity breathes no more? When the creator has fallen, from whence can inspiration, from whence does creativity arise? And how do you go back? How do you go back when you've come so far, when you've tasted and seen the goodness of God, the inklings of his kingdom? How can you now be satisfied with anything less than a glimpse of the glory of heaven? But now, the stillness and quiet of the earth are matched by an eerie silence from heaven. How do we pray? How do we pray when God is silent? How do we pray when God is dead? What is there to say when the word, the word of life, the word made flesh is now muted? There is a void, a hole, a huge vacancy without Jesus' presence. It's an emptiness that cannot be filled. Days like today seem endless. They wear on slowly, mired by sorrow and uncertainty. On days like this, we do anything to occupy the space, to fill the silence. Perhaps some of the disciples on that day reminded the others that Jesus said he would rise from the dead. He had promised them he would come back and take them to be where he is, didn't he? Maybe all is not lost. Maybe this isn't the end. But then again, dead is dead. I mean, death is final. Sure, Jesus brought others back from the grave, but who is going to raise him from the dead? Jesus saved others, but if he could not save himself from the cross... We can imagine the disciples wrestling together in this sacred space between faith and doubt. And from what the Gospels all share about how things initially went down, doubt quickly gained the upper hand for them. Doubt tends to overshadow belief when the shadow of death hangs over us. It's hard to see anything past a dead end. The deeper we find ourselves in the darkness, the more challenging it becomes to perceive any light at all. 
As doubt began to increase, the disciples locked their doors from the inside, hiding from the authorities whom they expected would be knocking any time soon. Did any of them suggest leaving town, getting out of the city as quickly as possible? We often convince ourselves that distancing ourselves from our pain, getting away from it all, our suffering, is a good solution. We bury our grief along with our dead. Should we expect the disciples to have been any different? But rather than cut and run, the disciples stand pat. There's unfinished work to be done. If nothing else, if nothing else, they owe their former master a decent send-off. And so, a decision is made to go to the tomb tomorrow morning, after the Sabbath, to anoint Jesus' body properly. When we don't know what comes next, sometimes the next step we can take is all that we have. Resolved together, at least in this next move, the disciples pile into the various corners of the room and eventually fall asleep. But it was likely a restless rather than a peaceful slumber, a sleep disturbed by the lingering uncertainty of their safety, as well as the unknown contents of their future. Now perhaps we might be thinking, well, that was then, but this is now. We didn't, they didn't know what we know. They didn't have what we have, an empty tomb, a resurrection. So why bother? Why are we bothering hanging around here when we know Sunday is coming? The answer is simple. The answer is simple, but it's not what we want to hear. And it's because we don't want to hear it that most Christians don't observe or pay any attention to Holy Saturday. And this is ironic, really. This is ironic because the simple answer we don't want to hear is Holy Saturday is the space we occupy for most of our lives. The space in between. Call it liminal space, transitional time, the pregnant pause. Holy Saturday is that interval, that season, that long agonizing gap between what has been, all we've known, and the resolution to the question of what happens next. It's a stretch of time when our faith is tested far more than at any other moment, exactly because the way forward is unclear and uncertain. I mean, facing the future is decidedly easier when we know what happens tomorrow. But when we can't see around that corner, when we don't know how things are going to go, if they're going to go at all, we are living in Holy Saturday space. And the last 12 months have been a prolonged Holy Saturday space for us, individually as well as collectively. So much has been lost. So much is still changing. And yet, with vaccinations being rolled out, we're all willing ourselves to believe a global pandemic is now behind us. With a contested election finally over, we're all convincing each other that partisan politics will become a thing of the past. Despite continued acts of injustice and violence, we keep insisting attitudes and structures born of racial discrimination are past history rather than our very present reality. We all want everything to go back to normal even though no one knows what normal is anymore. We all long for the way things were despite the fact that it's become painfully obvious after being tried and tested over these last 12 months that things weren't always the way they were cracked up to be. But rather than face the loss and failure of this past year, rather than uncomfortably sitting in the grief, we are clamoring 
to move on, to move forward, even though we have no idea where we're going. For so, so many, the perceived absence or silence of God has been deafening in this prolonged season of sickness and death. Many within the church, in their fear of the death of Jesus through the temporary loss of being able to physically gather together for worship, many in the church have sought to force the resurrection of Christ's body by taking matters into their own hands. But all that's emerged in our inability to wait on the Lord's timing for a resurrection only God can deliver, all that's been the result is the dark, disturbing attempt for us to animate something that looks and sounds nothing like Jesus. In our refusal to sit in the difficulty and awkwardness of Holy Saturday, we avoid the revelation that comes from this seemingly insignificant space. That God had to die for us so that he could truly live in us. I mean, the disciples thought they knew who Jesus was. They had their expectations, their vision for Jesus as the Messiah. Before and certainly during the cross, the disciples struggled to believe and to follow Jesus because they kept trying to get Jesus to fit into their box. The expectations and visions they had for him. They had to come to grips with the death of their expectations, the death of their vision, the death of their dreams of Jesus in order to finally begin to perceive who Christ is, in order to become reoriented to Christ's expectations, Christ's vision, dream, Jesus' dreams for them. And likewise, we who follow Jesus, God has to die for us so that God can truly live in and through us in Christ. And Holy Saturday is that space when our initial fire for Jesus, born of our expectations, our vision, our dreams for Christ, when that fire goes out. Holy Saturday is the moment when the image we formed of Jesus that ends up looking more like us than God's character and purposes, when that image, that false image, is irrevocably shattered. Holy Saturday is when the voice we try to impose on Christ, what we want to hear rather than what Jesus is actually saying, when that voice can no longer speak. On Holy Saturday, we aren't merely dwelling upon the death of Jesus, beloved. In contemplating Jesus' body, there in that tomb, we are staring our own death in the face. Holy Saturday reminds us everything else we fear, every other struggle we have is an awareness of. It's some averse reaction to the threat of losing our life. For it is in our fear of dying that is responsible for so much of our lust and greed, so much of our denial and arrogance, so much of our grasping and clinging to power, so much of our frantic and anxiety-driven activity is out of our will to live rather than die. We unceasingly strive to do and to be, but Holy Saturday forces us to realize that despite all our doing and our being on our own, left to our own devices, we still end up at the same place, D-O-A, dead on arrival. Today soberly reminds us that death cannot be circumvented or avoided. But on Holy Saturday, while we of course confront the inevitability of our physical death, we also need to come to terms with our need to die to self. After all, Jesus doesn't just die for us. Jesus, in dying for us, calls us to follow him in dying to ourselves. And the starting point of that, arguably harder and more painful death, is facing the reality that Jesus doesn't live for us. 
Jesus doesn't live to meet our expectations, to line up with our vision, to fulfill our dreams. Jesus doesn't live for us. Christ dies for us so that we can live for him. Christ dies for us to transform our expectations, to align our vision with his, to fulfill his dreams for all creation. Holy Saturday on the other side of the resurrection is not about grieving the loss of Jesus. It's about grieving the loss of the Jesus of our own making. And unless we put to rest that Jesus, we will end up worshiping and becoming a decomposing and lifeless corpse rather than the living body of Christ. We need Holy Saturday because it's only through the rubble of the house we try to build on the sand that we finally see the sky. The sun who remains greater, whose purposes and plans for us are always infinitely greater than any we can ever imagine or hope for ourselves. So let us then not move too quickly from this dead space. Here and now, as the dust begins to settle, let us grieve all the ways, all the ways we've attempted to make Jesus into something he is not. Let us recognize Christ has died to negate all our false presumptions about him, all our mistaken attempts to control him. And in this moment of clarity, let us then humbly confess all those parts of ourselves, our pride and sense of entitlement, our desire for reckoning and vengeance, our apathy and our indifference. Let's, con let's confess all our guilt and shame. Let us humbly confess all those parts of ourselves that need to be buried with Jesus rather than being allowed to continue to breathe. For as we die with Christ, let us remember what he taught us. As we let go and yield our fears and our failures and our shattered hopes and our long forgotten dreams, let us remember what Jesus taught us. It's only as we humble and empty ourselves that we can be exalted. So giving up the last breath of life, of the life we once knew, let us cling to the promise that death will never have the last word in our lives, physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. It won't have the death last word in our lives, in our families, our friendships, in our neighborhoods, in this world, because there's nothing so dead in our lives that is beyond the power of what Jesus will do next. The dryness of bones can have flesh put back on them. The emptiest of hearts is never so deep that it is impossible to pump them full of fresh blood and life. There is no pain too intense, no depression too dark, no weakness too complete that cannot be healed. But until we've walked through the depth of the darkest night, we can understand how glorious it is to be bathed in the dawning light of a new day. There has to be death before there can be resurrection. And today is a good day to die, to die to ourselves in Christ, because tomorrow Jesus rises. And this is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we will also live with him. Amen. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.